0: I'm the Alpha and the Omega, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death in Hades. Revelation 1, 8, 17, 18. Awesome. Thank you, River. Amen. Great job, my dude. Great job. Oh. Well done, buddy. <laughs> well, hey, uh, he is risen. You guys, Christ is risen from the dead. Let's, let's pray before we're seated. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, to live among us, to be God with us, and then to die, and to absorb the sin of the world, and to forgive, to, to extend the forgiveness of God, and then to rise, and then to reign, and then to return, Jesus, we await your return, and we do it not passively, but actively, living like you did by the power of your Spirit. So show us what that looks like now, to live, uh, to live fearlessly uh, with the resurrection power of Christ in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Feel free to be seated. Again, good morning, happy Easter. If you're new or visiting, uh, welcome to Park Hill Church. It's so good to worship with you and all of that. Today, it's Easter, which means we're joining billions, you guys, billions of brothers and sisters, humans, beautiful humans all over the world, in celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We're joining billions in that celebration. So I want to begin this resurrection sermon by letting Jesus preach his own resurrection sermon. I don't know if you knew that. Jesus preached his own resurrection. Easter sermon. And Little River, Big Man River, I should say, he just read Jesus' own Easter sermon. Um, It's in the book of Revelation. And by the way, we did a whole series on the book of Revelation last fall, and it was a a beautiful moment, I think, in the life of our church. I highly recommend you go back and listen to those teachings. Um, So in the opening page of the book of Revelation, Jesus preaches his own Easter sermon. When he says that, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. Do not be afraid. Can we sing, uh, say, can we recite this last part? I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. So in those verses we just read and River just read over us, we see Jesus' simple declaration of his own power over death. That's what we see, simple declaration of his power over death. So in in those verses, there's a word. Obviously, uh, maybe not obvious, the Bible was not written in English. I don't know if you knew that. The Bible, the New Testament was written in, in Greek many, many centuries ago and, and 2,000 years ago. And this word right here is a Greek word in these verses. Pantocrator <laughs> sounds like an uh, awesome like death metal band from the 90s, Pantocrator. Or, or it's a title Jesus gives to himself. And I, I like that definition of it better. This is, a, this is a title Jesus gives himself. Can we all say it? It's epic. It feels good to say. Pantocrator. Yeah, it feels epic. So it's a word, Pantocrator. It shows up ten times in the New Testament. Nine of those ten times is in Revelation. Do you know what it means? It means, it's a, it's a noun. It means the almighty one, the one with all the power. And it's the title Jesus gives himself in his own Easter sermon. I am the Pantocrator. I have all the power, Jesus says. Quite a claim, right? He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, who is, who was, who is to come, the Pantocrator, I'm the almighty. So don't be afraid. That's his logic. Because that's who I am, all-powerful, Jesus says, don't be afraid. The logic goes like this, because he has all the power and rose from the dead, that makes Jesus the keeper of the keys to death and Hades, which means God's children don't need to be afraid of death or hell anymore. This is essentially the Easter sermon for today. As far as you, if you're a child of God, if you've given your life to Jesus and trusted Jesus, like if that's still something you're wrestling through, like who is Jesus, what do I really believe? beautiful you're more than welcome to wrestle through that here and for those of us that have said yes to the authority and goodness of Jesus then you are a child of God and as far as you are concerned hell doesn't even know where to find its keys anymore hell lost its keys Christ actually stole hell's keys away for the children of God death and hell don't have the authority anymore they can't unlock your future anymore why is that true Because in Jesus' own words, he says, I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. And that's why Jesus can say to you today on Easter, so don't be afraid. Because all fear is ultimately the fear of death. All fear is rooted in the fear of death. Because all fear is the fear of loss in all its many forms. Loss of love, loss of belonging, loss of a loved one, loss of purpose, loss of significance or wealth or loss of health or security, loss of life ultimately. All fear is really the fear of death and loss in all its many forms. In the New Testament, there's another book that says this, essentially. The author of the book of Hebrews That's one of the letters in the New Testament. He says, this is why God became human, to address our fear of death. This is why. To save humans from this, this problem that we all share. And this is how the author of Hebrews says it. Look at this. Since the children, that's Jesus' followers, since the children have flesh and blood he too, Jesus, shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that's the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Yeah, hallelujah. That's a, this is a good day to like call and respond hallelujah stuff. You know, this, is, this is a really good day for that because according to that verse, all humans, if you're a human, you're part of a group the human group that shares one problem and it's this apart from god's help we will all live our lives in a type of slavery and that slavery is the fear of death and the slave master is satan he holds the whip and he he empowers our fear of death with his power of death this is a this is the universal problem of humans because we're enslaved to this death fear we live our whole lives in prison Because of the fear of death, we can't fully live. So the writer of Hebrews, he says, the only solution, the only way to save our flesh and blood from death was for God to share in our flesh and blood. He became human. God became human, and and then he became dead. In a very real sense, God became dead. He experienced not metaphorical death, Not a fake death. He died. And he entered into our death. And and you know what happened? He destroyed death from the inside out. So that through his death, he might destroy the devil who holds the power of death over us and free us all from the fear of death. You guys, hallelujah. Jesus says, I have the keys now. Death and hell are like, where'd I put them? And Jesus is like, I have the key. I have the authority over death and hell now. And I'm the Pantocrator. I have all the power now. So don't be afraid. That command is not empty. Don't be afraid. The good news of Easter is that Jesus and not death is the Almighty. Because God became human, Jesus, not death, is the Pantocrator, the Almighty, the one with all the power. I love that word. So the early Christians, our ancestors in the faith, Thousands of years, you guys, of family. We're, we're at the end of a long line of family right now. And billions alive today, billions alive in the past. The earliest Christians, they preached that. They preached that high and low. This kept them living with hope. This kept them hopeful in the face of unspeakable pain and persecution and suffering. From public Roman palaces to secret underground church gatherings, they preached this. And so I want to show you something from our, from our fathers and mothers of the faith. I want to show you something. It's, it's an ancient picture of Jesus. I want to invite our whole church to encounter Jesus Christ through this image. It's a very famous icon. And here it is. There it is. You probably, maybe you've seen it before. Has anybody Does that look familiar to anyone? Super old, super famous. It's actually called, the name of it is Christ Pantocrator. Um, some call it the Sinai Pantocrator icon because you can go see it. You can go visit this. It's hanging on a wall in a 1,600-year-old monastery in the Egyptian desert somewhere. You can literally go and see it. That's crazy to me. Um, So this is the oldest known icon of Christ in the world. Icon just means uh, image. And uh, historians say it was at least created by the 500s. And it was probably a a repainting of a much older image. Now, I want to say something before I talk about it. This is not meant to be a realistic depiction of Christ. Like, we're modern people, so we really like, is that how he really looked? Is that historical? Is that accurate? Those are the questions we moderns bring to things like this. But the original Christians, they'd be like, what are you talking about? This is teaching us theology. This is not what he looked like. I can pretty much guarantee you, as could any Christian of all time, pretty much guarantee you, that Jesus' skin color was not that color. (laughs) So um, this is not meant to be a photograph or, oh, that might be what he looked like. No, this is what he means. And this is why they painted it, and this is why Christians visit it, and why they have looked at it and and really used it as an art form for worship. Uh, here's, Here's where I'm going with this. This famous Christ Pantocrator icon It was designed to remind early Christians of the whole point of this Easter sermon. Christ's two natures, he's God and human, and that's where their hope comes from. Because without that, there's no hope. Fear of death will swallow them whole in the face of their persecutors. And so they look to the two natures, God and took on our flesh and blood so our flesh and blood will be raised from the dead even if you destroy it today. So, three, three observations, three reasons why this is what this icon means. First thing, first thing I want to point out, you probably already noticed, especially if you're a perfectionist or if you have an eye for design, something has been bugging you about this painting already. It's just so not symmetrical. Look at his eyes. They're just weird. They're, they're all funky. They're kind of warped. That's intentional. He's not symmetrical. Jesus, he, he, he's, he's actually two natures coming together. So you, can, you can see his, his, his right side, which is your left side, represents his divinity, that he is, he is God. So you can see kind of a peaceful, stoic, sparkling presence in his eyes wide open. So he's divine. And his left side, you, on your right, he's kind of like gritty and a little... A little menacing this is the menacing jesus side where he's just kind of he's just kind of emotional like people people viewed humans as kind of emotionally wild and so that's the emotionally wild side and um and so just to just to illustrate this further here's a mirror image of the two sides just so you can see how different they are so that's the that's jesus's right side doubled and, is, and and so you can see just what the artist is trying to do is take those two images but we're not supposed to look at them separate we're not supposed to look at him separate, so let's put him back together, because this is who Christ is. He's is fully God and fully human. And these two natures are the foundation of your hope as a human person. This is, this is why we have hope. So I, I want to observe two, two quick things, two more. So I was going to make three observations. Look at the second one. Look at his left hand. He's holding a big book. Yeah, it's an epic book. It's the book of the Gospels. Which points to his two natures again. Because the gospel, what is is the Bible? It is the authority of God. So that's Jesus' divinity. And the gospels are the biographies of Yeshua of Nazareth, a man. So it's both God's two natures on display in his left hand, because it's the authority of God and it's a story of a man. And then his right hand, finally, the last thing I want to point out you see what his right hand is doing? He's holding up two fingers. Pointing to his two natures. Remember, church, when you suffer. Remember when you're tempted to be afraid unnecessarily. Remember my two natures. I, as a God-man, entered your human suffering to blow up death from the inside. That is the only way you have hope. My two natures came for you. Fully God, fully human. My body came for you. And now you're my body my two natures. And then look at his other three fingers, there's three there. That's always been the trinity. So his hands doing a lot. You guys, this thing's doing a lot. Uh, it's pretty awesome. And and so so, th- so that's enough obser- observations <laughs> of this icon. I just want to point out, you guys, this is who this is who Christ is. I don't mean this is a photograph of him. I mean Christ is the almighty pantocrator, the one with all the power who has fully, he is fully human and fully God and he desires to bless you. You see what his hand is doing. It's what, it's what Catholic priests and Orthodox priests and high church Lutherans for, for as far back as we have images have done to bless and to offer pardon and to say mercy be upon you, blessing be upon you. We don't Christ actually did this with his hand, he may have, but we actually do think he does this with his being. He offers you pardon and acceptance and belonging in the family of God. It, this, that's the gesture of mercy. Billions of Christians today are receiving that gesture of mercy. Billions. It's how priests still bless people today. So this, so I just want to say, this Easter, 2023, Christ comes to you. He's coming to you, offering you mercy. He's coming to you through the singing. He's coming to you through the greeting. Happy, he's, he's risen. Then you got to say, he's risen indeed. Otherwise, you're a bad Christian or whatever. <laughs> he's coming to you. He's coming to you through those interactions. He's coming. He will come to you through the bread and the cup, uniquely. I don't don't necessarily hold Roman Catholic theology. I don't believe that the bread actually becomes the literal body in your mouth, transubstantiation style. But I also definitely think there's a heck of a lot more going on at the bread and the cup than it's just a sign. Christ is present to you. And he comes to you and he offers you pardon. He offers you the forgiveness you need, you long for. He offers you the family where where loneliness dies along with death. This is is who he is right now. And and ultimately, he he adopts you. He gives you a new name, a new beloved identity, beloved daughter, beloved son. Because his flesh and blood came to make your flesh and blood his family. Guys, he's risen. And do you know what we call, everything I'm saying, do you know what we call it? Salvation, healing, gospel. This is the good news. This is the good news that the Almighty is not angry at you. He's positioned to give you mercy. He's not not angry at you. He's ready to pardon, forgive, and welcome you. And the question becomes, will you receive? Will you receive his forgiveness? That takes humility to admit to God and to the community called the church, I'm a sinner. I'm deeply broken. And my heart's been dead set against God and I need God's forgiveness. And then be baptized. The first Sunday of every month around here, we baptize people. That's the entry point to the community of God. The community that will live forever. In intimacy. What we long for. Will you receive it? That's the question this Easter. This Easter, the Almighty Christ comes to you now. With one hand, he holds the authority of God and with the other, he offers you mercy and belonging as the God-man. Will you respond? How will you respond? Now, this image of Jesus offering you mercy, that could not be more different than the image of Jesus that was popular back then. What was the popular image of God back then? I should say the image of God back then. It was was Zeus. You've seen Hercules. Zeus is angry with a lightning bolt, looking for an excuse to zap you. This was the popular image of God in that day. But as it turns out, God is nothing like Zeus. God is like Jesus. Fully human, fully God, both all power and all mercy, ready to receive all who bow, all who come, all who repent. You know what that word means, repent? It means rethink your thinking. If God is this good and the kingdom is coming, Rethink your thinking. Whatever's out of step, you don't want it to be out of step. You don't want to miss this thing and be separate from God forever. So rethink your thinking in light of this good, merciful king. He's nothing like Zeus. He's everything like Jesus. So he's all merciful and he's all powerful. What do you have? What happens if you have a God that's all power but no mercy? Or maybe all power but only some mercy? Well, what you have is damnation. Damnation. <laughs> That's all you got. That's be damned. That's what that is. Because if God is almighty, uh, but not all merciful, then we're in trouble. He might have unlimited power to rescue whoever he wants, but he ends up saving only the people we think deserve it. And then he cancels everyone else like we do. That's not the God revealed in Jesus. That is a God who looks a lot like me when I'm mad at my enemies. And that's not what God is like. On the other hand, what happens if you have a God who's all mercy and compassion without almightiness? Well, having all the mercy without all the power, that's just empty comfort, platitudes. Because if God's power is limited, then he can't actually offer eternal life. And all this salvation talk, is just empty words, right? Not to mention... That's a God who's honestly powerless to overcome the problem of evil and suffering in the world. The pro- like the biggest questions we have, God has nothing to say to them if he's all mercy and compassion without limitless authority and power. So a God of mercy with no authority over my body, he can't really heal me. He's basically a hopeless God. It's like that's a God who says... Well, I, I, you know what? I know your bodies are full of pain. I feel that. I, I was a human too. And I know how it's all going to pan out. I actually don't know exactly how it's going to pan out. But aren't you glad I'm just sitting in sadness with you right now? You know, That is not the God revealed in Jesus. Yes, Jesus weeps with those who weep. But at the same time, Jesus also says, I'm the living one. I was dead and now look, I'm alive forever and ever. I hold the keys. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Do not be afraid. This is the Almighty who's also all mercy, ready to forgive and accept all who bow before him in total trust. Why wouldn't you want to trust someone this good? This is the God revealed in Christ. Because, my friends, the thing we mostly need is mercy. Really, I mean, if we're honest, the thing I mostly need is mercy. And by mercy, I don't mean leniency, like I need extra credit on life. I mean, I need the divine energy of grace that comes from heaven like a mighty wind and empowers me to live like Jesus. That's mercy. It's a power. It's not just a passive leniency. It's energy. I need the energy. You need the energy that comes from the one who says, I'm the living one. The one who said, look, I was dead and now I'm alive forever and I have the keys. I have the authority over death and hell now. That energy, that energy is what we need. I need that to come into my life and that's called mercy. We need mercy. And this is what we mean. Again, not leniency, it's the power of the Spirit animating our lives so we live like heaven citizens on earth bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness toward one another in the face of all. The noise? and division, and anxiety in our culture. I, I, want, I want to be different. I want to be a lighthouse. We know what the storm is like. I need mercy. We need that divine energy from Jesus. That's called mercy. It's mercy for forgiveness of sins. It's mercy to be healed. Like, my, I need my relationships healed. I have some bridges that are kind of burned in my life that I need mercy I need mercy not just to forgive them, but to walk across the bridge in power. How how can I live into that healing of that relationship? How can you? We need mercy, not just because we're just guilty. We don't just need mercy because we're guilty, we're mostly broken. It's a holistic brokenness that we need healing, mind, body, soul. And most of all, we need mercy for eternal life. You guys, that is life that can actually beat death. Life that is greater than the grave. If, if life ultimately ends in nothingness, if we have this brief, beautiful moment of being, oh my gosh, what a gift it is to be. If we have that only to then in 80, 90 years, be swallowed up in forever non-being, like nothingness. If that's what we have to look forward to, then face, face, face it, that would make life a pointless absurdity. We can argue around that, but eventually we come back. Eventually there's nothingness. Which is why we can't forget what the Almighty God did in becoming human. Here it is again. Since the children, that's those who trust in Jesus, have flesh and blood, He, too, shared in their humanity. Why? So that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That's the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. That's it, you guys. That's why he came. Like, hallelujah. Jesus entered your death. His divinity entered your mortality So that by his death and resurrection, he might destroy death from the inside out and give us mercy. Resurrection eternal energy, life that comes from his resurrection. Like, I don't know, it's, I don't know know how we, I don't know how I just go through my Christian faith and, and just let that truth just become background noise. I don't know how I do that. But I do that, and I need mercy to wake up to the mercy. This is why the church for 2,000 years has been saying on Easter, while nations rise and nations fall, empires rise and fall, just like America will one day. If, God doesn't, if Jesus doesn't return, America is just going to be another notch on the belt of the latest assembly line of superpowers. And, and meanwhile, this confession will continue. Can we confess it together? Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and on those in the tombs bestowing life. Earliest lyrics from Christian worship right there. And we're still confessing them as Christ continues expanding his kingdom through human souls energized by the Holy Spirit of God, the resurrection power of God. So to round, round the corner, we're coming to the table. We're going we're gonna to have the bread and cup for, on Easter, which is a wonderful thing to do. Uh, We do it every week. In that Last Supper meal, and if you're new to Christianity, the Last Supper was the night before Jesus was crucified. He had a Passover meal with his friends. He said during the meal, no longer do I call you servants, I call you friends. He's talking to his disciples. He's like, you're my friends. And he says, here's what he said. It freaked him out. You ready? John 13, 37. Jesus says, hey, where I'm going, you can't follow now, but you will follow later. So Jesus says to his friends, the night before Jesus is murdered, executed, he's speaking cryptically about his own death. Jesus is telling them, hey, I'm going to get up from this Passover meal And then I will walk out into the open air, and the suffering will begin. And it's going to be brutal, and I'm going to die, and you're going to watch. And you can't really follow me at first, but then you will follow me into death. How does that sound for good news? This is what he tells his disciples. And then he immediately says this, but do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go, and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. So Jesus says, "Don't let your hearts be troubled." Same thing, river, red. Same thing, river, red. He looks at me. He's like, "What? I'm freaking out." Like. He didn't know he wasn't listening. He's seven. He's awesome. But there's the same thing River Red. Don't be afraid. Jesus says, Don't be afraid. He says the same thing to his disciples. Don't let your hearts be troubled. What do you mean, don't let your hearts be troubled? You're saying we will die. I, every survival instinct I have feels troubled at death. We are built by our environment, by God. By our own instincts to avoid death <laughs> to feel anxiety at the threat of death and jesus you're saying don't let your hearts be troubled why shouldn't we let our hearts be troubled because jesus is saying i am about to go into death and eventually you will follow me you're going to encounter death but don't worry about it don't let your hearts be troubled about death because i'm going to do something about it. I'm going to do something about your death problem. I'm going ahead of you into death to deal with death. Remember, the great problem that God becoming human solves is the problem of death. It's our death problem. You have that next slide. There you go. That's it. That's the big problem that God becoming human is meant to solve. It's your death problem. Because death is the big consequence of sin. But, but God can forgive sin. He's very forgiving. He tells Moses, I forgive generations. I'm very forgiving. Forgiveness is part of God's nature. But even if God forgives your sin, we still have a problem. It's this pesky problem that's a consequence of sin called death. And then we're back to the main point, aren't we? Humans have a death problem. That's your main problem. All your fears flow from that. And Jesus says to you, this Easter, I am going before you and I'm going to fix your death problem so that death cannot have the last word for you. So the gates of death and hell cannot shut you in. Despair cannot take its key and lock you up from the outside and you on the inside. That cannot happen. You will not be consigned to the hopeless realm of nothingness impossible anymore. And this resonates with us. This, it's almost too good to be true. We feel that because we're spiritual. You're spiritual creatures. Even if you're not a Christian, you're checking out church. Welcome. I love that you're here. It's beautiful. I'm glad you're here. Most people today agree that we're not just molecules. Most people agree there's a spiritual dimension. Here's, the, here's some stats from last October a survey of 2,000 adults, not Christians, just everyone, all people, 74% say they want to grow spiritually. 77% believe in a higher power. Nearly half, 44%, say they are more open to God today than before the pandemic. You guys, almost one out of all your two, one out of two of all your neighbors uh, feel more open to God post-COVID. That's wild, but that's real. Eighty percent of Americans say they think there is a spiritual realm. Only nine percent of Americans say that no such dimension exists. You guys, that's overwhelming. The majority of humans today agree we're spiritual. There's more going on than flesh and bone. We're both spiritual and physical. In the language of the Bible, we are made in God's image. And God is spirit, which means you are too. This is who we are. And you know what else this means? We cannot be content if nothingness is how this whole thing ends. We just can't. I mean, we can argue around it and try to be like debatey and smart in our naturalism. We can try, and I've heard that. But, but honestly, I don't mean to offend if you're a naturalist. I think some of the most brilliant people I know are atheistic naturalists. And I, I, but I want to say... Uh, I believe very few people actually believe these two things together. Number one, that nothingness is really the end of everything. And two, together, we're cool with that. I mean, I, a lot of people believe, number one, nothingness is the end. A lot of people believe that. Uh, heat, death, whole universe burns away, and then nothing. But even the ones I've heard, say, every single person I've heard say that, who believes that, says, yeah, but I'd wish eternal bliss would be nice, you know. It's, we can't not go there. Uh, and I think this is, this is too, this is a philosophical point that I believe the Bible was way ahead of us on. Here's what, because if lurking in your mind is, well, life is great, I'm having fun, but soon we'll all be gone and there'll be nothing, then this moment is robbed of ultimate meaning. It just just is in some way. You can try to argue it's not, and I've heard the arguments. But at the end of the the day, we cannot be content with this. Which is why we we must always call death the enemy. And Paul in 1 Corinthians says the last enemy to be defeated is death. It's why the, the author of Hebrews, he says, all humans are in slavery. We're all in slavery to this thing called the fear of death. There are all kinds of reasons why we have a survival instinct, but one of them is because we're enslaved to the fear of death. Which brings us to the good news of Easter, you guys. Jesus Christ, Pantocrator, the one who holds all the keys and all the power, he knows this is our fear. He knows we're afraid of death, and he offers a solution to our death problem. He doesn't just offer to remove the fear of death. He offers to remove death itself. Like, really? This is not a metaphor. <laughs> he offers to remove death from the table of your destiny. Like, this is more real than the chair you're sitting on. It's not just a metaphor. The problem of death has been solved by God, which is why Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled, believe in God. And at the same breath, same breath he says, believe also in me, the God-man. There's the two natures again. It's all rooted in his two natures. God by himself as an all-powerful distant God cannot enter our death and save, save us from death and defeat death. He has to actually enter death, which means he has to be killable. He has to be deathable. And that's what he became. It's the only way we have actual hope instead of a metaphor, because he became actual human. This is the good news, you guys, that everything we're doing is based on so I'm I'm inviting you to believe this trust in Jesus I don't know where this room is at on the map of faith but wherever you are what does it look like to trust in Jesus maybe you've been a Christian culturally for 30 years or maybe you've grown up in the church and taking God seriously is kind of a new fresh thought in your life What would it look like to trust that Jesus is the one who shows us what God is really like and say yes to him? What would that look like? Maybe it's being baptized on May 7th, Sunday. That's our Baptism Sunday. Come back to the Connect Desk, back in the the, the back of the room and, and just put your name in the email and say, pray for me. I'm considering what this means for me. We just love to pray for you. That's it. So, so, a final thing about knowing God, because Jesus came to make God knowable. Um, <laughs> you see Jesus, you see God. What is God like? Not Zeus. God is like Jesus. So, don't make the mistake of saying, "Well, all I need is me and my Bible, me by myself with Genesis and then Exodus and then Leviticus." and then Numbers, and you just read through the books of the Bible without any context, and then you get to the Jesus part. You're at, oh, here's the, this New Testament thing in Matthew and Mark, and it's like, oh, well, now this Jesus guy appears, and it seems like he's really important, but he only comes in towards the end, so he belongs in, like, the second half, but I'll go ahead and try to figure out this first half without Jesus. No, that's, that's backwards, exactly backwards from how we know God through Jesus. Jesus says... Jesus says, not the Bible is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus says, I, Jesus, am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. In other words, I'm the starting point of knowing God and I'm the ending point, I'm the goal of knowing God. I I, I love what Andrew Wilson says about the Bible. The the Bible's not the Alpha, Jesus is the Alpha. He's the beginning. Jesus, uh, uh, Andrew says this, he says, I don't trust in Jesus because I trust the Bible. I trust the Bible because I trust in Jesus. I love him, and I've decided to follow him. So if he talks and acts as if the Bible's trustworthy, authoritative, good, helpful, and powerful, I will too. Even if some of my questions remain unanswered or my answers remain unpopular. You guys, that order is so key. That, that order is the key. It's... it's it, it, How do we know who God is? Revealed in Christ in the scriptures. Well, it's not so much that we receive Jesus because the Bible tells me so. It's more the other way around. We receive the Bible humbly because Jesus tells us so. This is how the church has received the Bible. From Jesus and his followers. Jesus is the Alpha. He's the beginning of our faith. And he's also the Omega. You know what that means? Jesus is the end of our faith? You know what it means? It means... We don't grow beyond Jesus. We don't progress beyond Jesus. And this one might be challenging to the way people popularly and commonly look at Christian faith in 2023. Jesus as the Omega, that means he's the goal. You know what that means? It means we can't, we, we can't say this, we can't say this. You know, Jesus had some good teachings, and they were good for his day, but now it's a new day, and I'm expanding and progressing beyond what Jesus taught for his day, and I'm doing what I think Jesus would say if he was around today. We can't grow beyond Jesus. Once you do that, you are no longer a follower of Jesus. You're a follower of Jesus in your own image. So, so Jesus is the starting point, and he's the goal. We can't progress. There's no progressing beyond an infinite Pantocrator. <laughs> there's, there's no progressing beyond the Almighty. So, so if we want to know what God's like, uh, next slide. Sorry, I skipped that one. Yeah, if we want to know what God's like, Jesus is the first and final word of God. Every other idea or revelation about God must bow before the Alpha and the Omega, Christ Pantocrator, the Almighty and all-merciful Rescuer, Jesus, who is risen indeed. So, uh, can you hear the words of Jesus today? He's coming to you. He's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, because I'm going ahead of you into death to prepare a place for you in the intimate family of God. This is Easter. Death could swallow up Jesus. Death could swallow Jesus because Jesus took on our mortality. But once Jesus entered death, his divinity, his godness destroyed death from the inside out. And then I love, I love this picture. Death can swallow Christ's mortality, but death can't digest the divinity of Christ. This is how it works. This is how your hope is born. This is how you have hope. Now death is undone. Now, now through faith in Jesus' name, we can participate in his life. He doesn't just kill our death. He then lets us participate in the everlasting part of him. This is why, which is why we live forever in a resurrected state, a new heaven, a new earth, which was the hope of Isaiah and the hope of Revelation and the hope of all the authors of the New Testament. You guys, this world remade. This world New heaven and new earth, new resurrected bodies, animated fully by the Spirit, with all of our sinful desires completely done away with under the old past life, whatever that is that Jesus defeated. And now living in perfect communion and community and intimacy, interwoven together as the family of Jesus in a new heaven and new earth that's, again, not a metaphor. And a real, physical, spiritual, remade universe that's more real than the chair you're sitting on. Hallelujah. We participate in his life now. We get glimpses. We get glimpses of that future. Where? At the, at the Eucharist, at the bread and the cup. We participate. We eat the bread and Christ is present. We eat, drink the cup. Christ's grace is energizing us. Jesus said it like this, John 6, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. What do you think of that, River? He's reading along. Oh, he gives a thumbs up. So, through the bread and the cup, we become participants in the divine life of God. We actually begin communing and union, union with God ahead of our final union, you guys. The last pages of the Bible show a wedding where Christ and his people are united and brought into relationship with God in full intimacy, nothing hidden. And we get a piece of that, a very real piece, not a metaphor. We get a taste of that reality at the table. All because resurrection happened, all because the two natures of Christ. Christ came fully God, fully man. So... uh, you were created out of nothing. <laughs> Did you earn that? Did you do anything to deserve your existence? Uh, the obvious answer is no. You, you, there was no you to earn any credit to deserve existence. You know, you, you were created out of nothing. Well, similarly, you also cannot do anything to earn the resurrection life Jesus offers you. It's the same. You didn't earn being and you cannot earn resurrection. Jesus extends it to you mercifully. question is, will you receive? I, I'm just going to invite, just, I love old school moments. I grew up in church where it's like, hey, let's respond now. Uh, so I'm going to invite you just to take a deep breath and maybe close your eyes. And, and bow your head and just get Get into a place where you're aware of the moment with God. We're about to eat and drink the bread and the cup on Easter for crying out loud. That's so powerful. And, and God wants to invite you into his family if you are not yet part of the family of God. Maybe it's been years since you've seriously considered, wow, am I living a life of faith? Or maybe you've never confessed faith in Jesus and received forgiveness for your sins from God. If that's you, I'd love to invite you to respond believe in the Almighty Christ, receive the mercy that He offers. He died for your sins so you can be forgiven. And then he rose from the dead to do everything I've been talking about today to make hope real. If you want to receive the free gift of salvation that cost Christ everything, then I'd love for you to just raise your hand and I'll just pray for you. Just boldly raise your hand just just as a sign of like, yes. It's just a yes. I'm not going to invite you to Like, stand or walk forward, or (laughs) I'm not going to call you out or anything. I'm just going to pray for you. Beautiful. Well done. Praise God. Yeah. Bunch of hands. Wonderful. Yeah, you can go ahead and put your hands down. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. You didn't have to, but you did. You acknowledged the requests that I made, and I honor you for that, just to make a semi-public gesture of faith. And I just honor you for that, Now I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for touching lives. Thank you for opening hearts. Jesus Jesus has the keys to death and hell, and now he has the keys to a few more lives. He has the authority. I pray that you'd have, Jesus, you'd have the authority over all of us. Where else shall we go? Only with you are the words of eternal life. There's, There's nowhere else. There's no other king. There's no other God. There's only one. And you love us. You're not positioned to destroy us. You're positioned to pardon us and to welcome us. And we say yes. Just, I feel, I feel led to just, I didn't do this at the other gathering. Just one more ask. If, if you want to receive the salvation and healing that comes through Christ, then feel free to raise your hand. Yeah. Beautiful even more than last time. Amen. Jesus, I pray for those that second wave of hands that are just saying yes to the presence of God and saying no to a life apart from Christ. Because where else will we go? The almighty, all-merciful God is for us. So Jesus, I thank you for the work you've done today on this Easter Sunday. I thank you for the work that you're doing. Everywhere in the world, there's churches, millions of churches all over the place saying thank you for coming. Thank you for coming, God. And, and now we come to you in worship and in eating and drinking, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, you guys, there were a lot of hands that went up. And I, I'm thankful. To, to have witnessed that those moments inside where you 're deciding to follow jesus it 's beautiful and uh, and it 's eternal it 's an eternal thing it 's beautiful and i I want to invite you if if, if, it, if it at all works <clears throat> with your schedule today, just you can put your email in the iPads back there so we can just say Beautiful and we can pray for you or um or email us this week and just let us know. Let us know. Yeah, I raised my hand. Just pray for me or whatever you need. We're here for you. Um, but now let's stand. We're gonna sing and we're gonna we're gonna come to the table. You can tell I'm not really a hype guy. <laughs> I guess it's just I just love I just love how God works. Um. Yeah. So around the room, we have the body and the blood of Christ. We have the bread and the cup. And yeah, Christ comes to us through this meal. And so I'm excited to have it with you. And I want to encourage you, all of us come, and when you come, you'll receive the little packet with the bread and the juice, and then look into the eyes of the person giving it to you because they're going to say words. This is the body and blood of Christ for you, and then you'll be tempted to say thanks or say nothing. But I would encourage you to say, "Amen," to just uh, say, I, I mean, "I'm I agree. Yes."